the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise wealth like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Welcome everybody to an incredibly special uh, episode of the A-Slot Podcast today. Remembering that the A-Slot Podcast does stand for advice, sex, love, understanding and trust. Now, the reason that today is so special, for me especially, is that if you're listening to this on the 31st, or even the week of the 31st, it's my birthday week. The 31st is my birthday. This podcast comes out on my birthday. So that's an incredibly exciting thing. The other thing that's happening today is uh, some of you may have seen all over my social media and whatnot that I'm shaving my head for cancer. That's happening today as well. So I'm going to be bald. It's still technically winter here in New Zealand. It's a particularly cold day at the moment. It's windy, rainy, and and freezing cold. So that's that's going to be fun for my poor head to deal with for a little while. But it's all for a good cause. It's I've raised more than what I what my target was, and I've been a little bit lazy on it this year compared to previous years. But I'm still pretty happy with how it's gone. Now. Another thing that makes me ex- that made me excited about this episode is that I'm speaking to someone who's uh, a little bit of of a celebrity when it comes to swinging podcasts. I talked to one half of the Swinging Down Under podcast. I talked to C, and we talk about all manner of things today. We talk about, as always in this podcast, we talk about consent. We talk about how. Her and Dee got into swinging, how, how long they've been together and how those conversations went and how that sort of transition from mon- being monogamous to non-monogamous and got, getting into the swinging scene. We talk about some of the play parties they've had, both good and bad experiences, what makes a good one, what makes a bad one, some of her favourite places around the world for, for the lifestyle. Uh, we talk about the pub crawls that, that they hold. And we also talk about the legalities in different countries and how frowned upon swinging and non-monogamy and whatnot is in some countries compared to others. So there's a really good talk about that as well, which I was really quite happy with. Um, I'm really stoked that I was able to talk to C again. Uh, Obviously, I was on their podcast initially, and now C's return the favour come on mine. And it was a really, really awesome chat. I learned a lot from it. Um, I think it flowed quite well. There was a few technical difficulties and it's taken a fair bit of editing to get rid of it, but we're here and we've done it and I'm I'm really happy and really glad with how this how this episode went. So in saying that, I will now zip it, put the button on the mouth and, and shut up for a while, play a little song, and then we'll get into the interview with one half of Swinging Down Under with C. Please, do enjoy. I saw you walking down the street with that meaning dress and those sexy feet. I hear the sound of your high heels. Dance you can make me feel so sweet. Cause I'm a king. Finger, as I say, this is what I like, and this is why you get, cause I'm a king. 
welcome C to the podcast. Thank you very much for being on. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me, Simon. Oh, more than happy to, more than happy to. So for those out there, um, I was on your podcast, Swinging Down Under, a little while ago, which was the start of a new segment for you. Um, and it was exciting for me because you guys are quite quite popular and it was great for me. So again, I appreciate you being on. For those who have been living under a rock who don't know you, um, tell us a wee bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. And, and thanks again, you know, for coming on our podcast. Absolutely. I mean, it's great to see that so many people are doing some some cross work, which is fantastic. Mm. But I am uh, C. I'm from the Swinging Down Under podcast. I'm 33 years old. I am Australian and I currently live in Asia. We started our journey into the swinging lifestyle in Sydney and then relocated to Singapore. So the, the cultural difference for us has been quite uh, interesting and, and we continue to have amazing uh, journey, but we do definitely travel the world to kind of have a bit of a swinging lifestyle because it is, uh, you know, it's a little bit different for Australia versus Asia. And so we're kind of feeling our way a little bit around that. But uh, yeah, I guess that's me in a snapshot. Yeah, we, we, and we're going to talk about those sort of differences as, as we move on to all of this because I'm quite interested in it because it's, <laughs> it's kind of, Interesting because I was on your podcast talking about how sexuality is in New Zealand, and now we're kind of doing the the, the reverse here with how it is in different parts of the world for you. So yeah, yeah absolutely. It's kind of gone in, into into itself. So you said you're in Asia, and you you're lucky enough to be able to travel around and quite quite a bit as part of your work and leisurely, I guess as well. What at the moment um, do you have? sort of like a favourite place that you like to go um, when it comes to swinging, I guess? Uh, yeah, actually, it's, it's funny you say that because every country is so different from the next. And you're right, we do travel a lot for work and we travel a lot for... I'm actually in the Philippines right now. Um, in terms of, you know, countries, I mean, obviously, Australia is great. You know, we're very open-minded or we're, we're kind of getting there. I mean, yes, there is a bit of diversity in, in our uh, knowledge of what the lifestyle is or, or sexuality is. Mm -hmm. So... Australia, love coming there, you know, great people, great parties, fantastic clubs. Um, you know, I would, I would also mention places like Cancun, Mexico, but that's purely because they've got the resorts there where we can travel to and really and, be open and free. And we've got you to know, talk so, about that a little bit as well. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't want to be biased and just say, well, Cancun, because they've got a resort. But, I mean, there's so many amazing places around the world that, that we've traveled to or that we've, you know, been in the lifestyle in. Um, you know, Bangkok, we've met some amazing single men in Bangkok, um, you know, so... Of course know, you'd meet single men yeah. in Bangkok. <laughs> well, it's in the know, name, isn't it? Name, I'd be doing the name and injustice. There you go, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's superb. So the, the first thing that I wanted to point out, um, I talk a lot about polyamory on my podcast because I am polyamorous and it comes from that situation. What we need to... I guess ensure that people know is that swinging and polyamory are two different things that fall under a similar umbrella, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So explain to me, I guess, the differences from, from your side. Yeah, okay. and that, that's a great point, Simon, because it is it is all from from obviously my perspective. But they they do fall under the same umbrella in 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 terms from my understanding that it is people wanting to explore what else there is available in life. You know, mm -hmm. how can I live? my own authentic life and so some people choose to go down that the polyamory route and some people choose to go down a host of other routes and so mm -hmm. that might include open marriage swinging etc um for d and i the way that we approach the lifestyle or, or swinging is is really that we engage with other couples or singles 
in uh, ethical non-monogamy. So what I mean by that is we might go out and, and date together, a single or a couple, and we may choose to play, we may choose not to play. So that mm-hmm. pants-on, pants-off uh, relationship or friendship, but more in a, in a sense of uh, not as deep as a relationship as polyamorous might be in that, you know, Dee's obviously my primary partner. I, I care very deeply about the people that we play and engage with and have relationships with. And there might be a, a form of love there, but not as deep as polyamorous. So, and, and even within that swinging spectrum, you've got people that choose to engage in, in you know, one night stands. They might just choose to have, uh, you know, sex, take no names kind of style. And then you've got, you know, the other end of that, which is more where Dee and I sit, which is more about that sociosexual um, kind of engagement. But that's kind of how we see it. And, and But there is such a huge diverse spectrum of, of even within the lifestyle, how people choose to have their play styles, you know. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun to talk to people and say, like, how do you do it? You know, because everybody's so different. And, and that's why there, there, there's a lot of, uh, I say a lot, there's a decent amount of swinger podcasts out there. And it's interesting listening to each different one. Like normalizing non-monogamy is very different to monogamy disrupt, for example. In the way that they, the way that they do things, and bed hop as well is another completely separate kind of thing. So it's interesting that you've got all of these things that fit under the same umbrella, but are completely different as well. Yeah, and, and for me, I mean, that's that's fantastic. You know, I mean, having having the ability to say, well, there is something else that I want. I'm I'm really not too sure what that is. I mean, there is no black and white answer to that. It's well, what do you want it to be? You know how. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be like one foot in the polyamorous pool and one foot in the, you know, out and out, I'm going to fuck everybody and take no names pool? I mean, no judgment. <laughs> do, do what you want to do, you know, and that and that's what's so beautiful about it. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're kind of on the polyamorous end of it, really, because it's about the connection more than the physical action. Yeah, it, it, it can be. I mean, it's a combination for us, but, I mean, Dee and I have spoken about this intently. You know, we have... Mm. Uh, we have some really good relationships in, in the swinging lifestyle that are, uh, you know, they're, they're friends. And would mm. we do anything for them? Yes, absolutely. Is there an element of love in there? Well, there has to be. You know, we care deeply about them. Um, mm. But I suppose then polyamorous takes it to that next level. You know, does, so yeah. we are we are kind of on the on the cusp a lot of the time. Um, you know, we do as well engage in one-night stands, obviously because we travel a lot. So yeah. we may find a, a couple or a single to, to have a bit of fun with for the night. But but even still, those people for us, you know, we, we being sociosexual, we enjoy intellect, uh, wittiness, you know, that kind of banter before we kind of go pants off and, and have a fun, sexy session with somebody. And, and that's actually outlined in uh, some of the D did isn't it? Uh, we talked about it quickly earlier. Um, the the ways to get into C's pants, right? <laughs> the twelve ways to get into C's pants. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you just want to run through them quickly for us? Oh gosh, can you remember? Know. He was ram- He was rambling. I think. <laughs> I mean, I think the bottom line it was be a gentleman. Um, you know, I mean, you'll you'll go far in life if you're not an asshole. That's the the end game there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, I, I love the word gentleman because it reminds me of my favorite phrase, which is. I, I say it about myself, so it's a wee bit conceited. I'm a gentleman that's not a gentleman. Ah, very nice, very nice. Kind of ki- fits into the kink scene as well. Exactly. Actually, we had a uh, a single guy in Bangkok, fully tattooed. He was a photographer, mm-hmm. and he said to me, I'm a gentleman, but I don't wear a suit. And that was his thing, you know. Um, yeah. I don't wear a suit, but I'm still a gentleman, you know. So you don't have to have that idea of, well, what does it look like? It can look like anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, 
I'll, I'll, I'll take it right back to the start. You and Dee have been married, what, six years now, am I right? Uh, we've actually been together for nine years. Nine we years, celebrated sorry. our ninth night. No, no dramas. Uh, I'm gobsmacked about the whole situation, but we celebrated <laughs> our nine years in, in January this year. So um, I, I still say I don't know how we haven't killed each other um, <laughs> or or either that or develop some wacky doodle scheme where we're trying to, you know, create airplanes and just fly off into the, into the sunset. So, um, yeah, we're surviving. We're doing well. But you've not been swingers for all of that, though, have you? No, we didn't. We actually started off in a monogamous relationship. So we were together for years and and developing our relationship, developing a sense of who each other really was. And mm-hmm. we were friends beforehand as well, so we kind of had that foundation. And then all of a sudden, you know, we started going down and, and really experiencing, well, what do we want to get out of life? What do we want to get out of our sexual life? You know, what are mm-hmm. our desires, our wants and our needs? And that's kind of how it came up, you know, um, we talk a lot about how how we want to get the most out of our time here on on earth i guess and yeah. and you know we talk so much in our lives about well what what's your career progression what's your family wants all these things you know friends relationships money stuff but very rarely do we actually sit back and ask each other or even ourselves the question of well, what about sexually you know what yeah. For sure. You've got limited time. What What do you want to do? What do you want to experience? You know, and so that's kind of how it all sparked off on this, on this journey of well, let's add extra people into the room, or, or let's become you know non-monogamous. Mm, for sure. And so you've been non-monogamous now for about two years, am I right? Uh, it's about four actually. I was. Jesus, I'm getting it all wrong. <laughs> no, I was having a disagreement with Dee about this the other day, actually. I was sort of saying three and a half. He was overestimating and exaggerating, as he does, and he was as, saying as four Dee and a half. As Dee does. <laughs> yeah. I've so we settled on four. <laughs> so I, I guess now that you've, you've been poly for four years, been together for about nine-ish, mm-hmm. how, how was that transition? How, how was it brought up? Obviously, it was through this discussion of what you want sexually but how was that transition over i guess that there's quite often like a rough patch that sort of fits in there as well while you're trying to work everything out yeah look some we've met so many people diverse people and some people have you know it's just a walk in the park they just kind Mm -hmm. of say hey let's go and do this and both of them go yeah hells yeah and and then some people have you know they have more discussion about it's more in-depth and maybe this might take uh, months it might take weeks it might take years yeah um for for dni yeah i mean the initial reaction was of course it is a very emotional deep-seated you know the white picket fence the house the whole bit and holy shit you're unhappy with me um that's that's the initial reaction before the whole settling down of wait a second i've actually had these kinds of ideas and fantasies before and i'm battling with my own idea of is that right is it wrong you know i've been told i need to be you know a quote-unquote good girl and you know so i think that your initial reaction is is one deep-seated kind of emotional response and then you start to settle down and have these thoughts of well where does that all come from and what does that really mean and but but actually also what do i want and and then you kind of you know you you negotiate and discuss and and figure out what's going to work for the both of you yeah sure so the the key word there that i was going to touch on next is is the negotiation yeah. Yep. So you, you're obviously talking about what you both want out of it. What? Well, I don't like using the term rules, but I will. What rules are set for each partner, whether it's going to be same room play, uh, full swap, soft swap. You know, you, you, how did you go through that sort of 
train uh, that sort of um, conversation. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a great topic. Um, for us, the thing about it is when you first start in any of this, you have no fucking idea what you're doing. And so you, <laughs> you literally, you, you don't know what you're doing because it's like a whole new territory for you. And so, Absolutely. you know, it's like you're just kind of thrown in the deep end and it's like we're, you know, fumbling around and then you're kind of like you make maybe some of these really obscure maybe associations with what your idea of this whole situation is but honestly for us we did a we did a lot of research in terms of like we watched you know tv shows about the whole non-monogamous lifestyle we listened to podcasts and we started to then create our own form of what this really meant but what it really did was spark conversation around that whole rules and boundaries piece you know yeah what do we we had to clarify first and foremost what we wanted to get out of it what did mm -hmm. it look like and then, you know, trying to lay down that foundation of, well, what does that really, how would that actually mean when you're in a play situation? And so, you know, for us, we, we did start with the idea of, you know, uh, we're going to go in, we're going to be wallflowers, we're going to look and we're going to just see what turns us on and what turns us off. And then we'll kind of go from there. Give you the perks but of being a wallflower, even. <laughs> well, hey, but, um, but uh, <laughs> you know, Dee and I threw the rule book out so early on in our journey because, he, we actually had a rule, we're going to go visit a swingers club and we're not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. And that was the rule. And I broke that rule on the first night. I actually kissed a girl. And so... I, I remember we hearing home. about this. Right. And so we went home and Dee was like, I'm not pissed off about the fact that you kissed somebody. I'm pissed off about the fact that you broke a rule. So we kind of threw the rule book out for us. Um, mm -hmm. We have boundaries in that we like to engage in this lifestyle together is the is the ideal preference and, and same room because we like seeing each other interact and, and we really enjoy that uh you know communication and play style with other people but sure but do you play you alone know, pardon do you play alone at all i have twice now um okay. and that's that's a fairly new thing for us actually so you know it, it is quite new and uh, it's not all the time and the, it's not an open open uh, offer, I guess, mm -hmm. to, to, for lack of a better word. But Is that more with people that you've already played with as a couple? It is actually those, yes. In, that makes in those sense. two circumstances, yeah, in those two circumstances it was. Um, Dee does have a fantasy of separate play with a single guy, but then again, you know, how does fantasy then play out into reality? You know, mm -hmm. it's all well and good to fantasize about something, but then, you know, later on, <clears> would you have concerns about security, you know, all these sorts of things? Yeah, absolutely. And security is kind of an important one when you've got, well, especially if, it, if it's a single man and uh, a single woman, anything can sort of happen, even if it's somebody that you've met before. You've still got to be ultra careful to be able to protect yourself as well, right? That's right. And then, you know, I mean, you know, do we do that in separate countries? Do you and I travel so much? So mm -hmm. I know I know a lot of couples who go, well, you know, I'm traveling for work, so I'm going to go out and find a date. That's that's great. You know, I mean, it's super sexy and it works really well. But mm -hmm. you know, there is that element of then if if something did go awry, he's in a whole other country. You know, so it's not as easy as kind of whipping around the corner. Is he's you know, got to be a lot more careful away. and put a lot of steps in place to make sure that it's doing all right, right? Yeah, exactly. So you don't get end up like so many others. Well, yeah, and I, I think it's just around that that element of enjoyment as well. You know, how do you mm -hmm. make sure that you're connecting with your partner um, while that's happening, if that's what they want? Again, many people do it differently. Yeah. So uh, now you just sort of feel your way through everything. That's exactly what we do. We, we we literally fly by the seat of our pants. Um, we we decided that. Well, usually the you know, pants aren't have, on. 
well, you know, the invisible <laughs> pants, the, 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 the fundamental pants, if you will. But we, we decided, you know, it, it was a little bit too rigid for us and, mm-hmm. and therefore it, it kind of left a lot of gaps or potential for miscommunication or misunderstanding. And so we decided to turn away with that. And, and now we do really just make things up as, as we go and, and just check in. Uh, it doesn't have to necessarily even be a, a verbal check-in, you know, like mm-hmm. pulling each other away into the corner. We, we can read each other's signs. Uh, not always. We do get that shit wrong from time to time. But uh, I, I was going to say that's happened quite recently at a certain office party, hasn't it? <laughs> it sure has. <laughs> um, look, and, and that's the thing, you know, I think you're, you're learning and adapting as you go through and I mean, it's it's not rainbows and lollipops. Shit happens, but uh, you know, I mean, the the, be- the good out far outweighs the bad. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe when when you do go through those bad patches, you've got to rely on your partner being strong enough and mature enough to sit down and actually talk about it rather than fly off their handle as well. Yeah, and that may come on the night. It may come during the event, or it may come days later. Um, mm-hmm. You know. I think the biggest thing here is to give each other space enough to actually figure out their your own feelings before you can actually communicate that well enough to your partner. I mean, Absolutely. There's, there's nothing worse than kind of saying, well, what's wrong? Well, I don't fucking know, you know, and then it just kind of, you know, goes nowhere, so. Yeah, and the other part of that is when, you're, when your juices are flowing and your adrenaline's high and, you know, you're, you're angry, you're mad, you, it's very, very easy to say something you don't mean. Yeah, which, or, or things which aren't communicated as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's I I always take a couple of days downtime when I'm annoyed at something, just purely because that there's I'm a very emotional person. I wear my heart on my sleeve, right? Mm-hmm. So the moment I feel something, it comes out of my mouth pretty quickly. There's not a whole heck of a lot of filter there. So I've had to learn, especially over these last couple of years, to to make sure that I bite that and actually figure out why I'm feeling the way that I am and how I've gotten to that point. And I think once you've once you've brought it back that far, you sort of realise, oh, I did a lot of time, that the fault wasn't with anyone else. It was actually with me and the way that I was doing things. Like, for example, jealousy is a big one. If I sit back there and I look at the jealousy as a whole, it's not anything that anybody else has done. It's my own shit that I need to own and figure out, right? Yeah, I mean, jealousy is is such a hot topic when you're talking about, you know, non-monogamy because yeah. sometimes you don't know it's going to happen until it happens. You know, you might think you're a super confident person and your relationship and your foundations are amazing, uh, either within a partnership or even if you're a single, and, and then you get out there and something happens that, just throws you for a loop and you're right i mean you can react to it on the spot or you can take it back and say why was i feeling that way what is it within me that's actually created that you know reaction uh, mm. that, that's just so visceral and, and that comes from the person that you are as well because not all people can do that not all people can break down how they're feeling and put it into into words i guess yeah. so you can't sit there and say that everybody's got to do it this way because that's just it's not going to happen no, it's, it's got right. to be. It's got to be. Everybody does it their own way, but there's still got to be a process of, I guess, downloading information and sorting through it, and then going from there, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and I think the other the other great thing to remember too is don't be so hard on yourself when things like that happen. You know, oh, don't sure. go home and beat beat you up, beat yourself up, and then say like, oh, there's something wrong with me. You know, I, or I did this wrong, or I'm at fault, or whatever. You know, just give yourself the space and time to 
just be at peace with the situation and say, like, mm-hmm. shit happens, it, it happened, but how can I then try to stop this from happening again? Yeah, for sure. And that's the key part is, is that, that that personal growth that you get from it as well. You come out the other side a lot better, I think, um, yeah, than, than, than what you do coming in. So you've learned a lot more about yourself. You've learned a bit more about the partner that you're with at the time or even as a single man. You're still learning about, you know, your reactions and how you reacted that way because of this thing and whatnot. So that's, I think, hugely important as well. Um, so like you said, just getting, getting back onto topic here as we, as we swing ourselves back around. <laughs> I, 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 I don't even know why I bother having topics sometimes. I was going <laughs> to say, was that, was that puntastic to swing back around on purpose or is that just something that you just said? Come and be honest. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to claim it anyway. No, no, no. It was, it was, it was intention. Oh, but my, my, I, I'm, I say so many puns now that it just comes like out like I'm talking as a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you think that, Simon. Good for you. Live in your own fantasy world, buddy. <laughs> yep, it's just normal language for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, going back around it. There's not a lot of negotiations um, for your play. When when you went to these single plays, for lack of a better term, when you went one-on-one, so playing with somebody else that's not B, obviously, um, mm-hmm. were there any negotiations around that, or was it just sort of, hey, honey, I'm doing this now? No, there actually was. So that was probably the, the more structured, I guess, way that we approach the lifestyle than we than we have over the past number of years. So mm-hmm. for for D, definitely he he wanted to be involved. You know, even though he was afar, it was remote. Yeah. He wanted to feel like he was part of the the play session, and and you know that comes from a, a sense of wanting to you know see your partner mm-hmm. engaging, wanting to feel that that pleasure, mm-hmm. wanting to make sure that they're having a fun time, and also from a very perverted space of. I just literally want to watch my wife get fucked. So what, you, um, did you put on the Skype or what? Uh, we um, we <laughs> took photos and right. and sent like little cheeky texts and stuff like that. So nice. um, that, that's you hot, know, that like is. before. That's really and, yeah. And then like after like lying around naked in the glow, you know, so there was, we kind of, we did our best to incorporate it into the play. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then afterwards, you know, I was, I kind of sent Dee a, a bit of a, this is this is kind of what happened. This is when I had orgasms, and then you know the next day we we spoke more in detail about like th- this is how the play session played out, as as kind of would on our podcast, but but I guess more in depth for him to feel like he's part of the moment as well, and and for him to be able to visualize and and you know get off on that himself. Yeah. So and he and he's obviously reacted well to that as well. Yeah, for sure. And so my my question from that. I guess comes. What if D were to play with another woman uh, alone? Would that be something that you're open to? Or? Yeah, I mean we've we've discussed it actually um, more recently. Again, it's because of the travel, you know. I, yeah, sure. I've discussed it, and I've said, well, you guys are about you know, quite <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so if you're going to go catch up with our friends, you know, like, is there a possibility of play? And so we have. We have discussed it and and you know sort of said well if if it happens like this is what would be the anticipation. Neither of us have played with with singles at this point that we've say picked up. Yeah. Um, but again, again, that's one of Dee's fantasies. It hasn't you know happened as such. But but yeah, I, I'm not averse to it. It's just that 
you know, for both of us, we would need to feel very, very comfortable and understanding of what the progression is. Uh, you know, if you did go and play with our friends that we've already engaged with, you know, yes, we've spoken about that. Um, but, you know, I think uh, for us, it's all about that that connection piece. So mm-hmm. I think if he were to go and find some chick in a bar, it would be a very different circumstance to, to me. And I guess it kind yeah. of comes back to that whole you know, the way that we approach the lifestyle, you know, we don't generally tend to do one night stands. So does that side of that, you know, and you might experience this yourself in polyamory, you know, there's one night stands, but then there's that deeper relationship. So mm-hmm. I would like to know that the person that Dee's choosing, you know, we, we'd all have a relationship or possibly, you know, I'd be playing with her in the future. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm bisexual as well. So I kind of want to, I would want to feel the attraction for that person and the situation mm-hmm. enough for it to be feeling sexy for me that, that, you know, we could enjoy it together. Yeah. So it's especially you'd want to do it together first before you could do it individually. Yeah. Or even kind of feel that, that kind of that connection, you know, I would, I would, for me, you know, I want to see D pleasured and, and him for me as well. But then, of course. you know, you'd want to you'd want to make sure that the person. And it's hard to say. I mean, I don't want to say they're deserving of your partner, but that they're they're a good person, you yeah, know, and they're sure. they're attractive, and you know, I I want the best for him in all things in life. So why would that not be the same with uh, sexual sex. partners? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's a that's a really cool way to look at it, really. And it's it leads itself into something that. We actually had a little debate about on Twitter, I think, from memory, uh, the word compersion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> yes. So com- compersion for me is being happy for your partner being happy, whereas mm-hmm. you put it in a more sexual manner, right? You put it as you're happy because your partner's been sexually pleased. Always. Yeah, and that's and that is a, a really interesting thing because the original compersion, what you were explaining, mm. was the original way that the compersion was actually explained. Mm. The compersion that I was explaining was more about well, what does it look like in 2018, mm. and that is more about sexual gratification. So, so um, are you saying so that I'm right? I'm saying you're 50 percent right. <laughs> we 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 share the rightness. We share the rightness. Jeez, you, yes. you, we, you can really tell that you're from Aussie. Share the rightness. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good Aussie speak. What are you talking about? <laughs> makes total sense. Yeah, just like you, you 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 do realize there is an L in your country's name, right? It's not just it's <laughs> not it's not just Australia. It is Australia. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you gave me enough crap when I was on your podcast. Now it's your time to take it. Oh man, have at it! I mean, we're playing against each other in the rugby tomorrow night, so we'll see who's king. Oh, we know who's going to win. When was the last time you won the Bledisloe? Fucking never. You guys are going to kick our asses. Yeah. So I, I should actually explain the the the, the whole rugby thing with it, or the Bledisloe Cup, because most of my listeners are in the states. From from what I gathered from my little analytics and that sort of thing, um, the Bledisloe Cup is a rugby game between Australia and New Zealand that's played every year. Um, it's a Two match series now, isn't it, Z? Mm-mm. Yeah, it's going to be good. It used to be three, now it's two. They've shortened it down because uh, other countries have joined in. But um, can you remember the last time Australia won? I I would have to actually Google it. <laughs> I I don't. Know. That's 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 how bad the memory I think, and I th- also. I think it's been about twelve years. Jesus. <laughs> uh, can we move on? I know it's been a bit. No, let's not move on because I want to explain. 
because there's there's been an argument with um I think there's a new podcast that popped up on Twitter as well, and it was me and somebody else arguing whether Australia and New Zealand was better. Oh, okay. You know what? I was actually okay. Let's chat about this for a second. Yeah. I was explaining to somebody today that Australia thinks that New Zealand is the East Island of Australia, but yeah. I, then I said. New Zealand probably would not agree that Australia is the west side, west coast of New Zealand, <laughs> and uh, they said, "Yeah, that's probably true. That I fucking want a bar of you." So you know, maybe that's the case. Do you, do you know what you, it, you guys are? You're haters. No, do you know what it comes down to? Is um, it was a football World Cup a couple of a uh, couple of World Cups ago, soccer, football, whichever you want to call it, and New Zealand drew with Italy, right? Do you know what the Australian newspapers okay. said? Uh, no. Australasia won, Italy won. Ah, yeah, see, that's what we like to do. Anything good from New Zealand, like Pavlova, for example. Definitely New Zealand. We just kind of, we just steal it and then pretend it's ours. Farlap tried to do that as well. Lots of stuff. The guy that threw the phone, I can't remember what his name is. Crazy man. Neil Finn was in there as well. Russell Crowe. That's him. Yep. That's the crazy guy that threw the phone. Well, he owns a Rabbitohs now, so. All right. Off, off football. Back off football. Yeah. <laughs> back, back <laughs> where, where were, see, remember how I said at the start of this that I don't know why I have topics? <laughs> I do. I do. This is what happens. Is I just go off on tangents and, and get into arguments because that's my combative nature. I've got to try and figure out where, where I was in my, in my little list now. Um, but that's okay. So we've gone through negotiations that play. So that can happen. Usually happens before, but you generally fly by the city pants. There's no real correct way of doing it, right? No, and I mean, you know, everybody needs to figure that that out for themselves. Like some mm. some people have hard and fast rules and, and then boundaries, you know. And and I think so many podcasts really explain that well. I know that mm. uh, Multi Emery did a did a great yeah, podcast yeah. recently about that. I, I really. I loved that podcast about kind of the rules and the boundaries and everything else that was perfectly uh, mentioned. So if anybody's out there listening and struggling with rules and boundaries, definitely go check those guys out. <laughs> Look at us putting over every, everybody else's podcast. We've mentioned about five. Uh, it was fantastic, man. I was sat here listening to it and I just thought this is, this is perfect. Yeah. Like I don't, no one could do a better job than that. And then those guys, they just, it was they perfectly really executed, made, made total sense. And, mm-hmm. and I just thought, you know what? Don't even try to do a better job. Just refer people to their podcast. It was great. Yeah. So com- coming from that now is what – so you, you, most people would have done negotiations. You guys are just fly by the city fans. So what does a typical play party look like for you? Like for, yeah. for, from the start so, of an evening to through to whenever? Well, the very start of an evening is that Dee makes me an espresso martini while I do my hair. Mm-hmm. Um, that's generally how it works. <laughs> he, he gets he gets ready in a flash, and it takes me fucking forever. I've I got to shave everything like it's ridiculous, and and so he'll he'll Let's make me an espresso martini. I am getting ready and everything else, and we got music playing, and then. We kind of, you know, we started talking about what are our desires for the night. Like that's that's been something fairly new for our relationship. Right. Is that, you know, we're starting to think about like, ooh, what do you want to get out of the night? Yeah, what do you want and, to achieve? The, yeah, like, oh, you know, I'd like to find a guy, and like, I really want to do this this position, or mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that I can, you know, be a bit more uh, outgoing and, and really flirty or something. You know, so whatever. So it doesn't need to be anything sexual. It, right? it can just be. 
Oh, no. I mean, it can just be about just having confidence and just stripping down into your lingerie and feeling like you're owning it. You know, I mean, that can be something as well. So we kind of talk about that in the car on the way there. And then, you know, we get there, we we mingle a lot. We tend to, Dee and I will spend some time together and then time apart. We Mm -hmm. tend to go and, and chat to people separately. We'll then come back together chatting to people there hey, go, I, I, I like that one over there he basically yeah <laughs> like he'll he'll come over and he'll be like what are you doing i've got a drink like come over and meet these people or this guy or whatever um or vice versa so we tend to split up and and chat and then we'll come back together and and chat together with people and so it's it's just and again these aren't things where we're like okay now's our time apart or it's been 15 minutes now's it's our just time a together. natural flow, rigid. Right? yeah it's just like you would at any other party you know mm. there's no difference and, uh, you know, then generally oh, we'll find people that were. Oh, boring. So we will. Sorry, I digress. No, you're right. Um, yeah, so we'll find somebody that we're interested in. And then, you know, I, I might say to him or like give him the eyes and he'll nod at me or say something to me or like, hey, that person's sexy. Or just outwardly, I'd like to see you fuck her or. I'd like to see her fuck you or whatever it is, yeah. or um, I'd like to see that person go down on you or vice versa. And, and then, yeah, we'll chat to the person and see if they're uh, equally interested and, and then engage in play. So with, with that part there where you gauge whether you're equally, equally interested, that's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come full circle again and go, this is where a negotiation step has to be, right? Because and, and unless it's somebody that you've known for, so so long where it happens naturally if it's somebody new then there has to be some level of negotiation yeah and so i mean you know there's there's varying levels of how this might be achieved you know and and obviously consent consent is huge Mm -hmm. but there's also different ways to approach it you know and i think you can take the pulse from the evening as well and and you can take the pulse from the interest level that the person might have Mm -hmm. uh so if you know for example at a recent party we were flirting with a guy i could tell he was very interested he was floating back he was touching me on the arm and and you know lots of eye contact and everything else and so i i knew that he was interested but i would still say you know hey i, I would and and we would really like to play with you would that be you know like do you want to do that and um you know then they'll say like absolutely you know and then it's kind of yeah. just on from there so, so it's, it's the and enthusiastic then, side of that that's key as well isn't it you yeah, can't just go, yeah, normally... I'll do it if you want to. Right. So yeah. to me, that's oh, a God, hard no. <laughs> well, I mean, for a number of reasons. One, yes, the consent piece. But two, I don't, I mean, I'm not some just like, you know, Vegemite on toast girl. <laughs> I'm not your standard breakfast. I mean, I'm I'm a buffet breakfast. You know, you got you to gotta want to have a bit of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, you'd, you'd go through that. You'd go through yeah, talking to the so, person, see if they're interested. Then, what from there? Right, and, well, then, you know, again, it's, I think some people as well, it's it's a bit more rigid or, mm. or uh, formal for us. Like I would generally be very playful and I would say like, hey, you know, what what are you interested in or what, what do you like to do or what's your favourite sex position? Mm. Um, these are sorts of questions that aren't so in your face as in like, you know, t- uh, you know, tell me what you're okay with, what is your consent level? Um, you can feel those questions out through asking some other things, mm-hmm. you know, about well, hey, you know, like, what what do you want to do to me? Or, yeah. like, yeah, what was the what was your favourite move that you did with somebody else one time before at a party or something like that? Yeah, see, and, and that's where you and I are quite different. Um, not not so much with swinging, but with my kink side, right? I'm very, very rigid. 
in in the way that I do it. Um, I think I told you I had checklists that needed to be filled out before I played with somebody. Well, and, like, and actual, again, actual that, physical that, forms. Right, and that comes with what you're engaging in, though, because mm. we are mm. we are not generally. If I'm going to restrain someone, it is a very different story than if I'm just going to have penetrative sex with them. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, that comes down to what it is you're actually engaging with. What you're engaging in has a whole other level of security, personal safety, you know, feelings of being okay, mm. and, and that requires that level. Um, yeah, absolutely. So with, yeah, nice. with, with mine, I've got two separate forms. I'll just uh, briefly talk about it. So one of them is literally just a checklist that has a whole bunch of actions, and it's, um, again to try and no thanks and a comment box. So mm-hmm. I've got like nine pages of a spreadsheet for that. And then I've got what is more, what are we getting out of this sort of form to fill out? You know, is our play going to include sex? Is it not? Do you want it to be part of it? Um, you know, do you agree to cleaning up afterwards if you hit subspace? You know, a whole bunch of different things like that. So it's two very different mm-hmm. sort of things, but... One of them tells me, you know, what are the kind of things that this person wants to do that I could help out with. So that's the checklist side of things. And then you've got the, the real nitty gritty of what is this partnership or relationship or dynamic actually going to look like. So it's very, very rigid for me. And like you said, part of that comes into what we're actually doing as well. But, mm-hmm. yeah. the, but the, the I think the form side of it, the the latter, not the checklist, the actual form, is more around um, kind of what you're what you're saying, and but you do it a lot more loosely. I've lost my words here a little bit, but you, but you get what I'm saying, right? Is I've got my checklist for what is okay, what's not okay, and then it's what we're actually going to be looking at. Yeah, and, and that's and, and that's another thing. I mean, everybody is so different to that as well. But but the key thing is the the absolute positive confirmation that yes, this is what I want to do. Um, yes. You know, and whatever form that takes is is perfectly fine as long as you're re- receiving and, and getting that. And I mean, yeah, like I said, I, I want somebody to actually want to be with me. I don't want to be the the oh, okay. Well, I haven't really seen anybody else I like. You know, um, mm-hmm. and, and aside and aside from that. <laughs> nobody wants to be that person and uh you know so y- you want to have and and also you want to receive pleasure and give pleasure and so that's that's what makes a great well, I hope you fun sexy time yeah well yeah <laughs> I'm, 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 actually, willing, I say. I'm actually reading a new book at the moment exactly around that it's called she comes first have you heard of it mm-hmm. uh, i have yes yeah, i've just started reading that recently and it's already quite interesting that um the ways that a woman can orgasm and the way that they can get to that point of doing it is is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it really is. And, I mean, if you read a lot about tantric sex, you'll get the same yeah, sort of sensation yeah. of there's just so many ways. Um, I mean, we've met people that, you know, really they'll get off from nipple play. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, for me, that's like, wow, how, how does – like, I, I'm intrigued. Like, how the hell yeah, do you do see, that? You I've, I've, I've got a girl that I can – still to this day we haven't played in – a, number, a few years, I can just um, show her two fingers, you know, my index and my middle finger, mm-hmm. and she'll come at that moment. Just, wow. just from seeing Good two fingers. <laughs> but uh, that, that's through 
for lack of a better term, brain training. Mm-hmm. And not to, to, to put a negative spin on it, but it's mental manipulation. Yeah, so with with going through that, the changing someone's brain patterns and brain thoughts, you've got to be really careful about what you're doing in there as well. And it's it's really interesting to sort of train someone around to the way that you like them, but also being very careful not to not to damage their psyche and damage their mental side as well. And that's one of mm-hmm. that's one of the key things that I've um, picked up is and very very careful around. And my mantra around that is to leave people in a better way than you found them. And I think that's a really yeah. Good I mean that's. Yeah, that's that's really that's a really good idea. I mean, and a great way to be. Uh, I mean, you know, can you positively reinforce somebody's uh, body image, for example? Yeah. You know, um, how how can how can you achieve that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've digressed again, though. Which is, <laughs> like I said, it's going to happen a lot, so it's fine. Um, so we've we've talked through how how a generic play party, for lack of a better term, works for you. I want to hear about your mm-hmm. best play party experience, though. Yeah, I mean, for for us, probably, you know, it's it's been at clubs, to be honest. Um, you know, I mean, we've had such great times in in Sydney, uh, over in the states, and you know, I just I think that they've generally been a, a more diverse crowd, so you've got the opportunity to to meet more people in a in a group setting. Plus, you're in a club, so there's you know that kind of that central sexy atmosphere and and a pole and dancing and that sort of stuff. So for us. Most of our best times have have been in club environments. Um, I mean, we've had we've had obviously a, a lot of great times, so it's hard to kind of nail down one. But uh, we've had some great times on the big orgy bed in uh, our secret spot in Sydney, and that's probably some of our I was waiting for highlights. Yeah, so that's probably our highlight is is the fact that you know we've been up in the orgy room, uh, not just there on our own, or perhaps with one other couple that we think are fantastic, but with you know, a room full of couples that have been at the party and, and we think they're all fantastic. And so that has been amazing and sexy and fun and, and, you know, you have a lot of laughter and, you know, you accidentally almost kick somebody in the head and then <laughs> kind of move on and <laughs> manoeuvre. So those those are probably the best time. Yeah, cool. Now, as part of that as well, you tend to run the odd pub crawl, swing a pub crawl as well, don't you? Yes, we do, yeah. So tell us a wee bit about how that goes because I'm sort of interested in this. Yeah, so our uh, our pub crawls is just mainly a, a mingle event, uh, and we generally tend to end at whatever local club, depending on the city that we're at. So, uh, you know, if we host them in Sydney or we did one recently in Perth, so we'll go from pub to pub with a group of like-minded people. And again, that spectrum is is broad on on their involvement in the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then for those that want to come back to a play party session, we'll go to a club and you can continue on the fun. And you may play, you may not play. I'm more of a, a mingler to start. And, and the whole idea is to try and get the community together. Um, and I was saying much like your poly uh, meetups that you're, you're doing in New Zealand. And so yeah, we're just trying to bring for the day. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Just trying to bring like-minded people together to kind of talk and and you know share share stories and and realize that you're you're not alone. Or even for new people to come along mm. and see what people are really like and and experience it that way with no pressure, you know. So how do you? And then if you want to, how do you find these these people, especially the new ones? Do they tend to find you? Do you advertise these pub crawls anywhere or anything like that? 
Uh, yeah, we generally put it up on red hot pies. So that's the, mm-hmm. the dating site in Australia that's that's uh, the dominant and, and, to be honest, the, the best site in Australia. So we'll put that up on red hot pies as an event mm-hmm. and, and people can register their interest. And, and generally we do, we vet them in the sense of making sure that they're, they're actually going to come. You know, I mean, our last pub crawl, we had over 200 people register interest. But just because they register their interest, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to attend. And yeah, so we'll then send an email back saying, you know, hey, thanks for your interest. Like, we just want to kind of reach out to you and are you good to come? Um, and so out of those 200 people that register interest, you know, you might get 60 kind of turn up on the night. So we, we do try to make sure that we keep the numbers to a reasonable level so people can engage that being lost in the crowd. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, that, it's, it's kind of a different way of doing it because obviously in, in the US, Cassidy's, you, you go to Australia's Red Hot Five. We don't really have anything here for that. We sort of use kink sites, which is a little bit different. But yeah, yeah. it still gives the same sort of outcome, which is what you're really after. Yeah, I think it's like that community and trying to build up the people around you and, you know, have, have a group of people that you can talk to about anything. Yeah, so this, this is what we're, we're going to talk about as well, was build, building up a community and, and things like that. With you being sort of all, all around the place. How do the communities differ from, from, you know, from the Philippines to Singapore to Australia to Mexico to wherever you are? Yeah, I mean, they are they are super varied. And, you know, I think that a lot of that has to do with people's cultural upbringings, religious backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, on how far they've come sexually and, and as, as a culture. And then that might determine how they... They approach things like a, a, a non-monogamous, uh, you know, lifestyle. So, what we see from country to country is that some people might just be kind of getting in, just getting into and understanding the the non-monogamous lifestyle, and so therefore, perhaps they they might appear at first glance to be kind of you know 20, 20, 30 years behind the eight ball, mm-hmm. um, and having those those you know old school parties where people just kind of came into a hotel room that was dimly lit and, and fucked and left hmm. um, versus perhaps you know a country that's been exploring a little bit more for for many years yeah. and so they might have a, a bit of a different understanding or different approach um, neither is is the right way or the wrong way it's just that they're, they're different in that regard so what we've found in you know heavily uh, religious countries um is that their their swinging scene might be very underground. You know, it might be a lot of hidden private parties that are held and you have to be highly vetted before you're allowed to go. Right. Or in more open countries, you know, like like Australia, you might see that there's a swingers club and you can just kind of rock along to that. So for us, that's the the huge difference between between the scenes is that you, you can either be really upfront about it and go along to a party or you have to really you know, find levels upon levels of, of getting validation to before you're even invited to the party. Yeah, cool. So basically things, a lot of things have changed since the old, the old adage of the key party, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's a lot different now, which is kind of good because the key party just sort of, for those who don't know, you chuck your keys in the thing, you pull out somebody else's keys and that's who you whiff the heart, right? Yeah, and that's right. And look, some people, it's actually funny, we, we've seen some clubs actually doing as a joke key parties, you know, as a bit of a, a callback. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's like one of those retro thing now. But um, I mean, yes, it still does happen in some, in some parties in some countries. And that's the way people like to, to, to play. Um, 
but then again, I think as people kind of explore and understand more about, you know, what is what is this lifestyle, it gives them the option to pick and choose, well, how do I actually want to engage? What does it look like for me and, and what's the best way to go? Yeah, no, that, that's really cool. So the, the inevitable question after all of this is, what's your worst clay pot experience? Yeah, hands down, that was in Sydney as well. It was on the south side of Sydney and uh, we actually did a podcast. No, we actually did a podcast about this one. Um, I mean, we've we've been to some shockers, Mm -hmm. but this particular party, the reason that it it, it rains up there as our worst was because of the way it was advertised. Um, It sounded like it was a mansion with a massive jacuzzi and, and super plush by the beach. And we took like a $100 taxi ride to get there and we turned up and it was you know, just a, a dirty, dodgy house with like a bomb car in the driveway oh, and um, medication and stuff hanging around in the bathroom. Bathroom wasn't clean, no towels, like mattresses thrown on the floor. And, and it was just, it, you know, it was just one of those places where you you saw it as advertised as one thing and you turn up and it's just so not that thing. And so mm-hmm. um, the, the people that were there as well, you know, yeah, there was one lady who was getting super drunk and other people just hadn't made an effort. See, and that's the worst it was just, it's just overly yeah. drunk people. I, so that was that, our worst. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the, the, just going off from drunk, I can't do drunk sex anymore. Um, maybe one drink, maybe two at most. Um, but that's because of the going back again. Um, that's because of the consent issue. I feel as though alcohol can blur that consent line a little bit too much for me. So if anybody's overly drunk, it's it, even you know tipsy. It's it's a big red mark straight away. Um, which yeah, it's kind of interesting that different people have different levels of that, but. I'll, I don't understand people going out and getting that, that, that fucked up and that wasted. Yeah, and I think, you know, what happens then is you start to really question what their intentions are or are they really happy being at the party or are they happy in that space or are they being forced to be there? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the problem. It really calls into question the, the why behind that they're at the party, you know, what's actually happened, why they're there. Um, and that can feel very uncomfortable for people. Yeah, so... We, we, we touched on something um, just a little bit earlier that I've actually been really interested about because it's not something that I've that I've known about since, um, until I started doing this podcast, and that's a little place called Desire. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that because this seems really quite interesting. To me. Yeah, so a lot of people talk about Desire. Um, they are in Mexico, and the Thank actual you, right? the actual brand. Yes, yes, Cancun. So the brand itself, they actually own, at the moment, three different locations. They own a place called Temptations, they own Desort, Rivi- uh, sorry, Desire Riviera Maya and Desire Pearl. So three different locations. Um, Temptations is more for uh, topless um, type atmosphere and, and they hold a different kind of clientele there. And then you have Desire Riviera Maya and Desire Pearl, which are clothing optional. So again, you don't have to be you can choose to be it's completely up to you mm-hmm. and so those two locations then tend to get people like nudists uh, attending and then they also get lifestyles attending right. not uh, everybody when you go there is in the lifestyle you know not everybody's going to be you know polyamorous or a version of ethically non-monogamous they they might just be nudists and are happy to not engage with other people but want to be a very freeing open uh you know area 
offer and in kind of you know have this resort fund so it's it is an all-inclusive resort so you, you go there you basically spend the money and all of your alcohol and food is included as well as entertainment so uh, it's almost like a cruise but on land yeah, um right. you know and you have you have your day by the pool and you're chatting to other people from all walks of life um I've, you know socioeconomic backgrounds of, i've been most, making the most of all the booze, all the food, everything. I'm not going to lie. And we joke about the fact that, like, you get there and it is such um, an amazing atmosphere and, you know, the drinks are flowing and everyone's having a good time and you, you're just – you're so excited to talk to other people and there's really open, um, you know, no-holds-barred yeah. kind of atmosphere. And so we joke that most people seriously overcommit on the first day because they're, <laughs> they're so excited that they just kind of, like, yeah, cut yeah. loose, you know. I bet they will too. So would you consider it reasonably priced for, for what it is? Because it's all Yeah. Look, that's a tough question to ask because, yeah, you know, my reasonably priced versus someone else is going to be completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, if you add up the fact that, you know, you go there and you've got the accommodation, the food, the alcohol and the entertainment, for us, the actual price per night is reasonable. It makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. What is tough is probably the international flights and the 24 hours it takes to get there yeah. um, from our side of the world. I know that. Um, and can well. that, yeah, so that can be a bit tough. Um, you know, and some people might go there and, and they might say, well, I don't drink very much. So for those people, they might say, well, is it really valuable for me? Yeah. But honestly, uh, I can say that having at least somewhere that we can go and kind of let our freak flag fly without any repercussions or judgment, mm-hmm. for me, that's worth a shit ton of money so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know i really i would love something out in our region so we didn't have to fly so far um mm-hmm. but it does make sense you know when i when i add up the the value of what i'm getting bought as a person going there and then plus also the value that i'm getting bought emotionally when i go there to just be be myself be c um yeah. that's that is what i feel as though going to something like that would be a huge weight off your shoulders once you finish the all as well you just sort of ah oh, i'm me again yeah, and you, you, you get that option and, and, and it's just, you know, it's amazing how, how you form very, very tight-knit relationships and, you know, you get to have a lot of fun. And I mean, but it, yes, it is exhausting. You know, you go there for a couple of days or five days, seven days, whatever, and it is, you know, just, just constant. You, you're meeting new people all the time. You're having great conversations. You're going to breakfast, lunch and dinner and then you're dancing and you're partying mm-hmm. and everything else. I mean, it's it's exhausting. <laughs> but a good exhausting, I think. But a good exhausting. Okay, Simon. That was dangerous. Okay, see, so desire sounds like a lot of fun, like you said, exhausting, but a lot of fun as well. So the, my next question comes from a completely different sort of field, is the legalities in different countries. So obviously mm. you've got difference, uh, difference between Australia, who is generally kind of open about it, and Singapore, who is, I imagine, to be more closed, and then obviously Mexico, where desire is. It would be a different thing as well. What are the legalities around these sorts of different places? Yeah, it is it is an interesting one actually, and a lot of the legalities tie back to uh, how how the country views adultery and also things like religion. So, what we found, for example, is around around the Asia region. Obviously, for us right now, there is uh, you know countries that just completely they will forbid it. Um, so countries, for example, Thailand, you know, and that might be perplexing to some people, knowing that, for example, there's seventy thousand sex workers currently operating in in Thailand in Pattaya, rather. Yeah. But but that's all. But but that's also illegal in in Thailand, strictly speaking. Prostitution's illegal. Right. But uh, so so it does 
you know, it does lend itself to this idea of adultery and of religious backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So in Thailand, for example, highly uh, Muslim-based religion. So what we do find is that, uh, you know, adultery is taken very, very seriously. And that is why the idea of non-monogamy, ethically or otherwise, is is considered illegal Mm -hmm. and and is actually punishable by law. So both um, both jail time as well as being fined. I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say punishable by death then for a minute. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, there's no, there's been no recorded cases, but you know that's not to say it wouldn't happen. Uh, and then you and then you've got you know countries obviously like Australia, you know yes yes adultery is is considered quite quite negative, but but it isn't strictly illegal as such. Mm-hmm. You know um, you know we we don't like it, but it, but it's not illegal. Um, countries then like say Singapore for example, you know again highly highly religious but but not of a muslim background you know mm-hmm. but in that regard they they do take adultery uh, seriously in terms of uh, it, it is one of the few grounds for um, being able to get a divorce in singapore for example right. uh, couples can't divorce they can't divorce without cause mm-hmm. adultery is one of them um so that's you know so they do take it seriously in that regard but not not strictly punishable but on the same token, it's not 100% legal because even being naked in your own home, for example, is illegal in Singapore. If somebody reports you to the police for walking around in the mud, that you can actually uh, be be fined for I'd that. I'd be arrested 72 times a year. Well, that's what I mean. And D just D, D flaunts he he flaunts that law. I got to tell you, uh, you know, <laughs> <There> so, <laughs> <he does. laughs> that does not surprise and, and me about so, Oh, I know, right? So, I mean, even at the moment, you know, it's obviously very freeing in, in Mexico mm-hmm. and, and that's fine. They have no problems with the which is why the resorts exist there. Yeah. You know, they're they're easy, easy accessible. They're they're um, reasonably priced in terms of property. And then on top of that, you know, that you've got the legality. So in, in places like Thailand, you know, yes, things do happen, but it happens underground. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't find a swingers club in Thailand. You can find swingers parties that are advertised on dating sites, but they're all held privately. People are vetted and it's all living underground. Mm-hmm. Same thing for Singapore. Um, we are, DNI, actually in the process of hiring uh, some lawyers all around Asia to tell us some of the legalities in some of the other countries close to us oh, wow. because... Uh, for example, at the moment, uh, we're going through looking at Cambodia mm-hmm. because we want to be able to bring people for a group together closer to our region so we don't all have to travel to Mexico. Yeah. But we want to make sure that whatever we do, it's it's above board. No one's going to get in trouble yeah, for, for sure. it. Um, but, yeah, going back to the Thailand thing, though, the funny thing in Thailand is that there is actually a club in existence in Patea. It is actually a swingers hotel. Right. And you can go and stay in the rooms there. Uh, but that hotel, and if you bring it up, you'll see it uh, every couple of years. It's in the news mm-hmm. for being raided by the police. Right. Um, and, and so they'll take all the sex toys. They'll take, uh, you know, all the people out and they'll, they'll charge them basically. And the rumours are is that the people aren't paying the fines to the to the police properly, the owners, the actual owners of the property. So. Right. See, that, that's, a, that's where I'd get quite upset if, if my sex toys got taken. Uh, well, yes. Because I've amassed a few in my time. And sex toys as well. Uh, sex toys are illegal in Cambodia. Wow. Um, and they actually have... They have black market sex toy dealers that will come around on their on their motorbike. No, I'm not. I'm not kidding you. Obviously, they don't have like a Sibian on the back, but they'll drive around in their in their motorbike. They'll stop at the house, and there might be a number of people in the house, and they'll sell sex toys to them. Wow. Get on their bike, and then off they go to the next place. It's it's kind of like Tupperware sales, but for sex toys. We see we have that in New Zealand though. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. We have like uh, sex toy parties and whatnot, like Tupperware parties. 
Oh, sex toy parties, yes, but I'm talking about like a guy oh, like just in a, coming in a around black, like, like, in, like in a like black your hood. Right? Yeah, like an ice cream truck, yeah, but yeah. slightly more deviant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I've seen some porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what happens in porn's real, right? There's no acting. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Santa Claus is also real, buddy, yep. and so is the Tooth Fairy. Oh, Don't want to burst your bubble. <laughs> okay, so that that's really interesting that there's. I didn't realise that it was actually illegal in some in some places still, so that's kind of kind of crazy. So is it is it illegal in Cambodia? Did you say? Sorry. We don't know yet. The lawyer's currently drafting the response. So right. there was there was there was a change to the adultery laws uh, in, in slated in 2006, and then supposed to be happening again in 2016. But we're just not 100% sure on it. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got places like, for example, Indonesia, uh, Indonesia and, and Bali, for example. You would have thought quite open, quite you know freeing, and all the rest of it. But those countries as well, um, there it's illegal there as well. Oh, wow. And and it comes back to to that religious aspect. Yeah. Mind you, a lot of um, Indonesia, Bali, have Hindu um, backgrounds, etc. But again, it just it does depend on on at the core, how do they perceive adultery? How serious is it? Um, and 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 even if a country does have, if it is legal in some countries, mm-hmm. if some the some of the the terms of that is that might be that fine, it's legal if it's ethically non-monogamous. But say for example, I had a single guy come to my party who I I thought was single, but it actually turns out he was cheating on his wife. Ooh. That being adultery then gives gets me in trouble. So I could possibly be in trouble for the fact that that guy may have lied to me as a, a pretending to be a single man, but in fact he was committing adultery, and I was, I guess, the the catalyst for him to be able to do That's that. A bit rough if you don't know about it, though. Hundred percent, buddy. But again, it's wow. just how they have that, the perceptions of the country. You know, it's really, it's just how they kind of take it. Yeah, and well, it's kind of a similar thing to receiving stolen goods when you've bought something off online or something like that. You know, you don't know that it's stolen, but you can still get done for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's crazy. That's, that's yeah, really kind of mental. But, I mean, we're swung, we're swung in all those countries too. So yeah, <laughs> like I said, that's right. You know, you, you, you take on board the risk. You don't do anything silly. Like I, Dee and I wouldn't go into those countries and hold, you know, host a party with big banners outside saying swingers come yeah, in. Um you know, gangbang orgy happening with an arrow and lit up and lit up an arrow <laughs> saying "Enter here." Um, but yes, we we would go there. We host. We might host a small private party, yeah. you know, in our hotel room, or or we'd you know reach out to couples or singles. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. So you've noted again on on the party side of things. I just want to touch back in on that as well because what I what I'd like to ask is sort of the the different ambiance, I guess or the different style of, of play party in different countries? Because mm-hmm. obviously you yep. said you, you've been to a few in Singapore. You said that Sydney's sort of your favourite sort of place because, you know, that's where you've done a lot of it. Um, so what are, what are some, of the, some of the differences that you find between different countries within play parties? Yeah, so let me start off with the States first because they have by far the most uh, clubs that, that I've ever seen yeah, advertised. Um, so obviously the United States, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and even New York, actually, the, cl- the clubs there are, are not great. You know, there's actually quite a few people that have been there and gone, actually the New York scene is probably one of the, you'd imagine it'd be a great scene because it's such a highly populated area, yeah. but the clubs there are, are not great in comparison to some of the other uh, areas. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was fun when I went there because I went to uh, a place called Hacienda 
which I think you may have heard of. No, I have not heard yeah, of that one. That, that was fantastic for me, but I digress. Don't continue. <laughs> but yeah, so in the States, you've obviously got you've got clubs and they're huge as well. You know, when we talk, when we talk about our clubs in, in, say, Sydney on a good night, maybe 40 couples, yeah. when when people in the States are talking about some of their, their local clubs, they might say on a bad night, and and it's on a bad night they could be fifty, sixty, seventy couples, yeah. um, you know, in the club. So first, firstly, that's a huge differential. One, it's very open and accepted mm-hmm. in some areas of the United States, not all, of course. Yeah. Um, and then and then they're 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 huge. Their footprint of the club is massive. Mm-hmm. Another big difference too is oftentimes in the clubs you can either BYO or you can buy alcohol from behind the bar. See, BYO, um, that's kind of crazy. Well, all of the clubs that we ever go to, all in Australia, they all bring your own alcohol. They have to be because our Australian law doesn't allow them to sell yeah. alcohol on premise where there's going to be sex or possibility of sex. Yeah, um, see, and same thing. Oh, I guess because it's not considerably, uh, it's not actually a bar per se. Then they can get around the liquor laws of bringing alcohol in. Yeah, that's right. So they they can they can take your alcohol from you, add it add it to their fridge, add mixers, etc. But they can't yeah. sell you a bottle of alcohol. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so that's the difference. But so in the states, so some of the bars actually have you know you can just turn up and they're lovely, and you can have, and there's even buffets. You know, there'll yeah. be buffets available. So what I'm saying is the clubs are huge. The next thing is as well that they're generally cheaper than than anywhere else we've ever seen in the world. You know, we're used to paying two hundred to two hundred fifty dollars entry fee for one night. Some of the clubs in the states are forty, fifty, sixty dollars to to get in. Yeah, that's the same in New Zealand. It's only about fifty, 50 bucks usually, maybe a hundred. Well, see, there you go. So for <laughs> us, you know, when we go there, we're like, oh, "This is so cheap," you know, because it's just again, it's what what you're yeah. used to versus uh, what what the realities are there. And the other thing too is that oftentimes they'll have because of their availability for size, they'll have a dance floor, a DJ um, happening, you know, a huge space. So almost like they'll a have nightclub their... with the extras. Yeah, and then they'll have, like, huge different playrooms. And then because they've got so much space, they'll have, you know, playrooms that can suit anyone's kinks, mm-hmm. whereas perhaps with limited space in capital cities in Australia, we might have a small dungeon room yeah. or an area where it's got a few different bits and pieces, but then, you know, you really got to play to your patrons and then yeah. say, well, how, how many of our patrons are kink? And how many just want to come in and, and meet up with a couple? Yeah. Um, and so you've got to kind of work your playrooms to that. Sure. So that's the states. And then if you go to places like um, Spain, for example, we've been to Spain. Mm-hmm. Again, large, larger places, um, price points probably uh, more expensive than the states, cheaper than Australia slightly when you convert the the currency over. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, they're, they're theme nights. They're, they've got completely happening bars as well. So often you'll buy a ticket and that'll include two or three drinks on the bar and then you start to buy your own drinks after that. They're doing full cocktail service, cool. um, you know, all of these sorts of things. They might have performers coming in throughout the night, you know, mm-hmm. either pole dancers or um, a, a ro- like acrobatic stuff or, mm-hmm. or what have you. So, you know, huge, huge places again and, and varied language. You know, that's the biggest thing for us when we travel. When we went to Spain, there was obviously a lot of people speaking Spanish. There were some people in there speaking French. Mm. And then there's poor old C&D sitting in the corner speaking Aussie. Um, <laughs> Not English. Let's face Aussie. it, we don't, we don't talk English, exactly. <laughs> and and kind of going like, holy shit, how do you, how do you actually, you know, mingle and, and have these discussions not just in terms of like finding each other attractive, but then the consent discussion. Yeah. You know, foreign language can oh, put a barrier on that. I was about that. to say, just walk up and snog someone. But yeah, the consent part sort of puts a cosh on that. That's for sure. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, you know, like having having been to, to clubs and, and parties in, in perhaps, you know, Asian countries, mm-hmm. we, we don't have a lot of clubs here, but what we have is a lot of parties and they can really vary depending on the host. Yeah. It depends on the host, who's arranging it and how they've vetted the, the, the people that they're allowing to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can then be the difference between it feeling very much like a take no names, you know, you, your personality doesn't matter, mm-hmm. just come in and fuck, which we've, we've been to one of those uh, parties in, in Singapore. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it can range right through to let's all go away to Phuket for a three-day holiday in a five-star condo. Oh, wow. Um, with an infinity pool, you know what I mean, and 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 they've they've vetted the people that are going, and everybody's uh, fantastic. So yeah, yeah, that's that's I guess from our perspective what we've seen um, throughout throughout our travels around the world. So it's, it's very very different in a lot of different places. And, and yeah, and people's style. styles are different. Yeah. yeah, which is kind of fantastic, I think, really. Yeah, it is good because you know, I mean, even. You know, in London, for example, um, you know, in Covent Garden and stuff like that, you've got mm-hmm. Torture, Torture Garden, which is a, a world famous uh, place for for kinks. Yeah, you know, and, I haven't and been they, there yet. And they refuse entry if you aren't dressed up. Like, and yeah. and and I don't just mean you know you've turned up in a dress with a collar on. I mean full dress. Yeah. And if you if anyone's out there actually and interested, if you follow them on like Instagram, Twitter, etc., the latex, the costumes, it is amazing. Yeah. But yeah. you know, so. Having having then countries that kind of have more space, but then also have a higher population, maybe more accepting of non-monogamy in its in its entirety, then allows you to then start drilling down into some of those areas where you know if you really enjoy kink, then you can go to that place, which is very kink based, mm-hmm. rather than needing to try and go to a swingers club and then, and then talking kink. to people and then yeah, and finding out what their kink is. Yeah, for sure. And with with somebody who's as kinky as I am, it's it's the things that I'm into can be a lot different to things that other people are into when it comes to right. Uh, let's say electrocuting people, to put it as a shock value sort of thing. Um, but using electro toys and whatnot is not always the easiest to find because people do balk at that, and with good reason, I guess, if you don't know what it is. So, yeah, that makes it kind of interesting for me. And George Garden is somewhere that I've always wanted to go as well. I just haven't been able to get over there. Yeah, I've been following that place for I don't know how many years now. It's um, you yeah, know, it's amazing. And we've had friends uh, that we've played with in Singapore who are very much into the kink, mm-hmm. coming from London. And you know, when we talk to them, and if they mentioned to us in the first kind of date, in the first couple of hours, oh yeah, you know, in London we used to go to Torture Garden a lot. Instantly, D and I know. Oh, okay, so you guys are into kink, you know. Yeah. So, um, but it is, it does make it hard for people going who are into kink to go to a normal swingers party yeah. sometimes because you've got to find that first, that connection, yeah. and then second, your se- your sexual connection as well. So. See, and again, that's why it, it's interesting in New Zealand because there was a place just out of Christchurch, I think I told you about this earlier on, um, that is both a kink party venue and a swinger party venue. So it does, it yeah. does both things. It's about 20 minutes out of, out of where I live. And... You'd get a lot of kinksters at the swingers' parties because, like I said, they're both quite intertwined here as well. And mm-hmm. it was then most of the kinksters knew each other, so it was about approaching the, the swinger community as, as part of that and then sort of go from there and see if they'd be interested in, in what you're interested in as well, which can be a bit of an awkward conversation at times, right? It's not just, hey, let's let's go and I'll, and I'll spank your ass with a paddle. Yeah, exactly. But, that, I, I think that's sort of part of the fun of it as well. 
uh, personally, like going up to somebody who you literally have no idea if they're kinky or not, but you know that they're involved in some sort of lifestyle, whether it's polyamorous, swinging, whatever it might be, and going up yep. to them and finding out about what they're into and what they like and all of that sort of thing. That's that's a lot of fun for me as well. I think that's a lot of fun for everyone, if I'm going to be honest, because it gives you the opportunity to talk to somebody about their passion, yeah. which one, I mean, I, I love talking to people about whatever their passion is because you see their facial expressions, their hands are moving. That is sexy to me. I find it really attractive, yeah. uh, regardless of what the topic is. If people have like this affinity for elephants and they've gone and studied them off in the wild, like I would be, I would be happy to talk to you about that because I get super excited about passionate <laughs> people. Um, but then the second part is to that, I'm going to learn something, you know, yeah. and I might be talking to you about this like electroshock and then I might say you know what I've never done it tell me more I'm slightly interested you know we might then have a discussion and decide to go off and try a little bit of it on me and then it might open me up to a whole different way that I can play and that I that I enjoy or alternatively I might say you know what tried it probably not my thing but at least I know know, move on have you tried it I have semi tried it. So we actually played with a, um, uh, there, there was a toy that we played with in Desire last November. And, um, I think D was using it on one of our friends, but then I was touching D. And so once you're, or her, I think once I was touching her, once there's like a connection or something, I could feel the shock. It sounds like a violent one. I, maybe, I don't know. And it's honestly like, I, I just, it, it was like, whoa, you know, I didn't yeah. really know how to react. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. What are, what are they, but they, they really enjoy it. But I think it was probably like, it was the end of the night. It was like two or three in the morning. And I was like, I'm getting electrocuted through you or electric currents through you, you know, yeah. like it was blowing my mind a bit. Yeah. And that, that's how fun. It does sound like the, was a little buzzing thing that lit up. Uh, I think so. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like a violet one to me. Those things can be a lot of fun because. Oh, there you what, go. What, yeah, what, <laughs> One of my favorite things to do with that is I'll hold on to the buzzing bin and then I'll run my fingers across somebody. So you've got well, both yeah. the sensation of somebody almost giving you a massage or running their hands over you, plus a slight electrical, you know, tinge to it, you know, just a little, yep. a little shock part of that. So you've got two very different sensations of somebody quite nicely rubbing you down and a sharp zap at the same time while they're touching you. Yeah. Really, really cool thing, I think. Get my juices flowing. I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to Google it again and see if what, it, see if it is that violent one you're talking about. It, it sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. But as as we start talking about the kinky side of things, and this this, I don't expect this answer just to be about a kink though. Um, but since joining the lifestyle, what have what what's opened up for you, like in terms of the way that you think, um, the way that your mind goes to different things. Um, king, whatever. What's opened up for you? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, things do change for people when they join any sort of uh, non-monogamy lifestyle or just even start researching it. You know, it, it creates thoughts, questions in, in your mind. So you don't even need to be in the lifestyle to be listening to perhaps your podcast and go, what the fuck is a violent one? And go and look it up and then maybe get something yeah. for you and your own um, partner to play with. Like, But most people, when they talk about the lifestyle and things that have changed, they talk a lot about like communication, how they've grown in their own self-confidence, all these things. I'm, I'm not going to talk about that because I think some people do that really well. What I'd like to talk and share with you is more about my experience in opening up to things like kink, sex toys, awesome. you know, exploring different role play. Yep. I mean, what I've 
personally found is that, you know, in D and I a relationship for the start, like, yes, we would play with toys, you know, obviously we had some vibrators and stuff like that. Yeah. Pretty standard household, right? No big deal. Mm-hmm. But then after joining the lifestyle, all of a sudden, I'm buying D sex toys. I'm right. using sex toys on him, and it, it it intrigues me, and it brings me a lot of pleasure. Mm. So whenever there's a new sex toy in the market for guys, oftentimes I'm out purchasing it online, getting it delivered unbeknownst to D, and then whipping it out in a play <laughs> session. Um, and him going, what because, the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And some of them, some of them, he's a trooper. Some of them he likes. Yeah. Um, some of them he doesn't. Um, he's broken a few. And, you know, so that's been, you know, a huge exploration for, for me. And it's, it's bled over into us as a couple mm. as well. Uh, other things is that, you know, like we used a sex toy for the first time in a club. You know, we now have a sex toy, uh, sorry, sex swing. Mm-hmm. We now have a sex swing in our house. Right. Um, you know, so, We've explored that a little bit more. Uh, role play, talking dirty. You know, we've been with some partners who have done that really well. Yeah. And as a result of that, I'm now trying to brush up on my, uh, you know, dirty talk and role play with D. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going to say perhaps have sex over Skype, you know, how can I kind of be, be very sensual and, and, and role, role play and sexy talk to him, you know? So that's yeah, yeah. kind of something we've explored too. Um, and then in the King side, you know, uh, the first time we went to OSS, there was a St. Andrew's Cross. I'd never seen one before. Really? Uh, so, yeah, really. <laughs> so I, I, I went up to it and I was like, all right, what is this thing for? And uh, one of the owners, uh, Lawrence, he was at the time, he was learning a lot about shibaris, learning mm-hmm. a lot about different um, flogging skills. And he was like, all right, well, you've never done it. Let me talk to you about, you know, how this restraint's going to work, yeah. what happens, what we're going to do, what to expect. Yeah. And then he's very good with the double hand um, movement. Um, I don't, I'm sure there's a word for it where you're basically flicking like over the wrist and like if the two, you know, the two floggers going at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great, great at that. And and I found myself really enjoying that that. Uh, naughty, I guess, un, you know, unheard of side of me yeah, before. Yeah. I hadn't really delved into that. Mm. Um, and then as a result of that, now Dee and I have um, underbed restraints. We have a number of floggers and whips. We have um, the little wheel that has the little pins on the end. What you know, I don't, wheel? I don't, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, I'm, so I'm not, I'm not so super into it that we use it all the time, yeah. or obviously I don't, I don't know the terms, but um, for sure, it's opened up other ways for us to explore our sexuality and 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 how can we bring you know some of these more exciting things into the bedroom to really keep our own sex lives alive. Yeah, yeah I get you. So that's yeah, it's it's kind of cool that you can open up that much to be able to bring those things in, and as you evolve as people as well, that there's more things added. And the other thing that I'd like to touch on is that you're not using them all the time, which is really great as well it's just when you feel like it it's not you're not sitting there going hey we have all this stuff let's use it every single time that we do something well i mean that would be physically impossible we never leave the house but um <laughs> we 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 do like it's so for example sometimes like uh you know i've said to d every now and then a, fr- a friday night that we have should be all about exploration yeah. you know um him tying me up me tying him up using different toys even household items you know how can we incorporate some things and and you know maybe sometimes there's blindfolds sometimes there's not you know to to kind of bring that different level of of you know play in into our own bedroom yeah. i've got a funny story about that actually i bought a a paddle online that got delivered to my house and you know how the custom things you've got to list what it is inside the package that sort of thing right yep yep it just it just had spoon written on it 
<laughs> I was going to say, did it have kitchen utensils? That's what most of our packages that arrive have, a, kitchen it utensils. It just said spoon. I was like, okay, yeah. that's a spoon, let's, let's go with that. <laughs> to be fair, it's one of the tamer things that's turned up on my doorstep. Well, exactly. I'm, sh I'm sure the term of, like, sex machine or electrocution pole or whatever it is <laughs> is not going to be... Yeah, I, I can't remember what they actually wrote my fuck machine down as. I can't remember now. I think it was just electronics. Yeah, probably electronics and DVD player. <laughs> yeah, I think it just said electronics. <laughs> I, that, I think that's half the fun of getting things online as well to see what they're marked as when they come in. because like, I get I get um, cigarettes imported from Indonesia, um, clove cigarettes because they don't sell them in New Zealand anymore. And yep. it says coffee written on the t on the front of that. Ah, clever. Yeah. And because I'm only, I can only get two packets at a time because I don't want to have to pay all the tax on them, all the import tax. It's yeah, every couple of weeks there's just a, a packet of coffee, coffee that's turning up. up on my door. <laughs> they think you're addicted to caffeine. I mean, they're not far from it. No, <laughs> that's right. But um, yeah, so everything that sort of opens up to you makes it more exciting for you as well when you see somebody else trying something and you go, hmm. Maybe I'd like to try that, and it's cool to be able to have that open discussion with, with your partner, with Dean. Go, hey, how do you feel about trying this, or something like that? That comes across quite easily as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, it does. I mean, we've even had play partners who, you know, we're playing with a, a French single man, and we were talking about the under bed restraints, and I said, have you ever been restrained um, during play? And he said, no. And I said, would you be, in is that something that you're interested in trying? And he said, well, yeah, yeah, let's give it a go. And, you know, he, he, he gave it a go. And then afterwards I said, you know, how did you, how did you find it? And he said, yeah, I mean, it, it was okay, but he said, but maybe not so much for me. Um, you know, like it was good experience, but probably not something that yeah. he, you know, is going to incorporate into his play sessions. But at least he knows now, right? Exactly. And that's the key thing. Um, and speaking of at least they know and people trying new things and whatnot, um, just to just to close this all off because we've been talking for a fair while now, um, what is a piece of advice that you would give to somebody coming into the swinging lifestyle or to even a non-monogamy lifestyle? Yeah, I, I honestly I I keep thinking a lot about this. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that you know we. We do get, you know, we get a lot of questions, a lot of varied questions. We see a lot of varied questions on Twitter and, and, and you know, through receiving emails and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and oftentimes some of these questions really around how do I, what do I, could I, these sorts of things. And, and I think that the big piece of information that I always give people is, is give yourself some space to actually consider what it is that you're after. Yeah. Um, you know, some people come into this and maybe think, you know, hey, this sounds like a cool idea, but then, you know, they don't really understand the why or the what they're wanting to achieve out of yeah, it. Sure. And so my, my advice is always, you know, just give yourself some space, some time, sit back and start to think, you know, what is it that I want sexually out of my life or out of this relationship or, you know, maybe you're single and just out of this next experience or next journey. And then how could I then achieve that? You know, mm. what could I do? And if you start thinking then, about, well, you know what? Yes, I, I am quite kinky. So I'm going to look up my local kink resources yeah. or I want to go and, um, you know, play with couples. So you look up your local couples, but then even that, you know, like, what does that mean to you? What sort of play do you want to engage with? Do you want to have, um, you know, couples that you sleep with fairly regularly mm -hmm. or do you want couples that you just perhaps experience on a one night stand and that's it? So 
um, you know, there's there's so many varied options and, and ways that you can approach this. And I think the biggest thing is that to give yourself space, mm-hmm. peace, non-judgmental time to decide what it is that you're after to then enable you to articulate that to yourself or to your partner if you have one. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good piece of advice to make sure that you actually think about what you're doing as opposed to just diving head first in as well. But yeah. The, the, the other and thing I I'd think... add, to add, add to that, sorry to, to interrupt, um, would be to... Um, Oh, no, I've lost it. I've completely <laughs> lost it. So go ahead. You say what you're going to say. I don't know what I was going to say now. Um, <laughs> <I'm dead. laughs> but hashtag shitty podcasters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I was probably that's what I was probably going to talk about. Just the fact that you know we we get a lot of people asking us how do I have the conversation, mm-hmm. you know? And oftentimes my first response back is, well have you even thought about what you want? And because I, I honestly think that if you, what we've seen a lot of the, some of the failure rates of people like having this conversation with their perhaps significant other about becoming non-monogamous is that they don't communicate it well uh, in the first instance, which then causes the other partner to have a certain reaction based on perhaps their own mis- misconceptions, misunderstandings. Yeah. And that's because they themselves don't really know enough to articulate what they want um and so that's that's my general advice do do some research do some understanding think about what it is you're after and then you can move on from there yeah so in in, in addition to that i'll I'll tack on the end of this um also once you've gone to a play party or two or three or four you know getting used to it i'd my piece of advice for that would be to sort of let yourself download afterwards as well and just sort of compute everything that you've gone through and see if that's actually see if that actually fits you and what your goal or what your aim or whatever that might be is as well so know what you want going into it and then download and see if what happened is what you want as well oh debriefs are so important um there's and and I don't mean important as in like you know shit did something go wrong I mean obviously that's an that's an important piece but what I mean as well Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you could walk away and debrief and say, holy shit, that was so hot. And I didn't even think in my life I would find that so, you know, interesting. And can we do more more of that? Um, You know, I mean, right through to dating with a couple, of course, you're going to debrief after. How do you feel about them? Do you want to do next steps or with a single? But I think even after a play session is actually more the critical kind of debriefing type because you can say, well, I – I liked that, you know, this thing happened sexually and how about we try to recreate that in our bedroom? Or I saw this position that we were doing at one point and it was awesome and let's try to do that again, um, you know. Yeah, and for, for, for me in the kink scene, it's it's incredibly important, um, especially after somebody might experience subdrop or something like that, to, to download what happened, whether it actually fit the people involved. And I've also found with, with people who are curious about lecture, for example, I've done it and I play with them and then we talk about it afterwards and it's either, like you said, yeah, I'm into it, no, I'm not, whatever sort of works from there. So that, that download with whoever's involved afterwards is is huge for me. Yeah, 100%. All right. Um, I think that's everything. See? I think we've, we've made it through. We've had some some technical difficulties on the way and whatnot. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Anything you'd like to add to anything? Uh, fish and chips. Oh, I find them quite chips. delicious. So, so this has happened. <laughs> There's a reason that this has happened. I was waiting for you to slip it in somewhere um, because <laughs> I actually delayed 
the start of this podcast by about five or ten minutes because I had to go and get fish and chips on my way home from work. And it's not it, it's not really something that you get in Singapore or, or Manila or wherever you usually. Uh, we 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 tried. We've tried a few times. So uh, yes, I'm in the Philippines right now. But I did try to get some fish and chips with D in Singapore about two months back, and they came out and they're like, "Oh, we don't have any chips." Um, <laughs> so I'm like, "Well, it's just a piece of fish, then. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Come on." And and what it'd be as well, I imagine, is like a full presented plate of fish and chips as opposed to wrapped up in newspaper like I've got here. Exactly, exactly, and and it's just it's just such a uh, such a differential, you know, between the between the the traditional fish and chips that we know versus, you know, today in the fancy fancy cafes. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I watch a lot of kitchen nightmares, and they go, oh yes, this this um, menu needs a good fish and chips, and I sit there and go, I can go down to the shop and get that get a scoop of chips uh, and a fish for five bucks. I'm not paying twenty yeah. odd bucks for it. I know. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll go on the fish and chip hunt, hunt tonight for dinner in, yes. in Manila, Philippines, and I'll, I'll let you know how I fare with that. Sounds amazing. If you get some and it's pretty decent, you'll have to let me know, that's for sure. <laughs> and I'll be like, this just cost me $50. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you wouldn't think it would cost that much in the Philippines because it's a relatively small group of islands. So fish would be relatively bountiful, I imagine. Uh, so yes, certain types of fish. Uh, there's over seven thousand six hundred islands actually in the Philippines. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you know it's it's actually getting the the fish and chips combination yeah. it, is the is the problematic the thing. thing. And, yes, and not getting chips that can you can bend the chip so it touches on its each end. Uh, no, 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 you can't have that. You can't have that. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's probably stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we've gone from from swinging to kink to fish and chips. And, exactly. Well, hey, all the all the important things in life. Yeah, exactly. On that note, then um, we can close this off. I think. Thank you very much for for agreeing to be on this. See. No problems at all. Thanks for having me. It's great to chat to you again. Yeah. So again, for those I've said it at the start, but for those who have made it all this far, I was on Swinging Down Under, which is your podcast with Dee, um, a little while ago. Uh, it was mm-hmm. episode seventy, and Dee will hate me for saying that. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely episode 70 of the Swinging Down Under podcast. <laughs> and and I really don't know that people care what episode it is. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so. Great. No, thank- so I, I was on that for you guys, and now you've returned the favor for me by, by coming on here, and it's, it's greatly appreciated. Um, I love what you do. It's been fantastic to talk to you again. And yeah, thank you very much. No problem, Simon. Thanks for having me. All right, thank you. Dear